You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Good morning. Good to see you. I love that movie. You know what shocked me? That movie is 20 years old this year. Stop is right, right? Like, holy cow, how can that be 20 years old? Well, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Lance, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Calvary, and I just absolutely love that movie. It's probably one of my favorite kids' movies, The Emperor's New Groove, if you have no clue which movie it is, but just love that movie. And, and that's one of the kids' movies I actually enjoyed as much as my kids did. Right, because you know. Like, I've sat in some of those kids' movies before, and I've literally been like, Jesus, please return today, please. Uh, right now, I can't handle any more of this, right? But, but that was not one of those movies. I mean, I really, really liked that, and I love that movie and that scene. And for the people online that couldn't see that clip because of copyright reasons, basically that was Kronk, and he's really struggling with some choices that he has to make. And the devil... And an angel come to his aid to try to help him with some of the questions and, and choices that he is he's struggling with. And really that concept of devil and angel has, has really played itself out in popular culture, hasn't it? I mean, if you go all the way back to the 1800s, the classic good versus evil, you have Robert Louis Stevenson when he penned his work, The Strange Case of Jekyll Hyde, right? And the challenge there between those two individuals in one person, if you will. Um, we've seen it over and over. We've seen it in a movie about a llama, right? And if you've seen The Emperor's Regret, New Groove, you know that that's what it's about, but we're constantly reminded of this internal struggle that exists. Seemingly in one ear, an angel speaking, and in the other ear, some force of evil. Can anybody relate to this reality? Anybody? Okay, a couple, the rest are liars. Um, but, but, but you, I mean, this is such a reality of our lives, isn't it? Like, we have this constant battle that is always going on of, man, there's certain things I know I should do, there's certain things I know I shouldn't do, and it's, it's, it's just a struggle. Like, the devil's always saying things like this. It's okay. It's not a big deal. You know what you're doing. You're an adult now. You can control it. Nobody's going to get hurt. It's just once. No one will ever know. And it's this voice that is always pulling us to act on desires that compete a lot of times with our conscience because we have this conscience that kind of knows internally what's right and wrong, but yet there's something always pulling us in the direction we don't want to go. And then in the other ear, we have a harp-playing, robe-wearing angel. You know that's not right. You know it'll hurt the heart of God if you do that. You know it's going to hurt others. 
You know that will ultimately steal your joy. You know if you do that, you're going to lose freedom. This isn't going to heal. If you do this, this isn't going to heal any of the pain. Because isn't that why we do a lot of the things that we do? Because we're trying to mask the pain that's actually there. And it seems like we have these two voices. One rages against our conscience. One rages against the godly desires that are like a check engine light in our lives. And we have this civil war raging inside of us. And what I've learned, and you probably have too, is we all have this struggle, don't we? See, sometimes we like to convince ourselves that we are the worst person on the planet. Because nobody knows us like what? Well, him. But nobody knows us like us, right? Like we know us, but we see just the outward of everybody else. So when we look at them, what do we see? Oh, they've got it all together. They're the perfect Christian, they're the perfect husband, they're the perfect wife, they're the perfect family, they're the perfect this. But what I've found is that everybody struggles with this reality. No one is exempt from this civil war that rages within. Now, our specific struggles or our specific challenges or our specific sins may be different from another person, but we all struggle here. And this is just so frustrating to me personally, and it probably is to you too, isn't it? Like, it's just frustrating to think that you're constantly raging in this war internally. Like, how many times have you thought, or how many times have you said something like this? I'm not going to think like that anymore. I'm not going to respond like that anymore. I'm not going to let my emotions dictate my decisions anymore. I mean, how many times have you said these types of things? I'm not going to drink when I get depressed. I'm not going to hurt other people when I'm hurting. I'm not going to say those things when I'm sad. I'm not going to look at those things when I'm lonely. I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm not going to let those things control me. I mean, how many times in your own private world where really this war rages, right? Have you said those things? I'm not going to. Or now it's going to be different. And we have these conversations with ourselves. And then we end up doing the very thing we declared we wouldn't do. Or we end up not doing the very thing we decided wholeheartedly that we desperately wanted to do. It's so frustrating. It's so infuriating. It's, it, listen, it can make us miserable. And we get stuck in this cycle that we just can't seem to break. And that's when we start asking questions like this. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Is this ever going to change? Why do I keep doing that? And it's very easy as you go down this path to begin to loathe 
hate, despise who you are. And again, we're not alone. I promise you as sure as you're sitting in this place this morning that the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, in the other section, they battle with this reality. There is a reality of this internal battle, this frustration of competing desires. But you know what? It's not just us. It's not just people in 2020 that are battling with this. Paul, many, many years ago, was writing to the Christians in Rome. And he shared his experience. Now, again, if you know much about the Bible or a little bit about the New Testament, Paul is probably the most impressive, if you will, Christian in the New Testament outside of Jesus himself for how God used him and for what God did in his life. And listen to what he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. This is the Apostle Paul, road to Damascus. Ah, light from heaven, massive salvation experience. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And I kind of build on that because when Paul says that, I'm kind of like, well, what desires does Paul have? Like, what is he talking about? Maybe Paul's like, I have this desire to grow deeper in my relationship with God. I have this desire to grow stronger in my devotion. I want to read the Bible every day, or I want to write the Bible in Paul's case, right, every day. But I want to do this. I want to pray more regularly. I want to go to synagogue more often. I I really want God to be number one in my life. I want him to shine out of me. Or maybe he says, I really want to love my neighbor. I want to love my family. Or I want to serve others or be kind, be an encourager. I have a desire to do all of these good things. But I cannot carry it out. And you see the struggle. You see almost the admittance that I want, but I fail. I try, but I fail. And it's this constant battle that's going on inside of him. But the struggle for Paul in Romans 7 wasn't just that he wasn't doing the good things that he really wanted to do. I mean, that would be one issue, right? But listen to what it says in the very next verse, verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do This I keep doing. So it's not that Paul's battle was just with eliminating bad things or, or not doing the things he really He was battling and struggling on both sides. I want to do this. I want to do this. Fail. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to fail. And you just see this struggle. 
So it's not just about reading the Bible more or praying more. He's saying, I just can't stop gossiping. I just can't stop overeating. I can't stop losing my temper and getting angry. I can't stop saying mean things. Uh, I really don't want to give into these desires. But I just do it over and over. Why do I keep wasting money? Why do I keep gambling what I need to feed my family? Why do I keep creating all this financial stress? Why am I addicted to drugs or drinking? Why have these prescription medications that started out as such a good thing become such a god of control in my life? I can't stop surfing those websites or talking to that person. I just get so jealous or envious or greedy. It's not what I desire. But I do it anyway. And then in the next verse, or two verses later in verse 21, he says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You know how I would translate that? No matter what I do, I just can't get away from this struggle inside of me. Always so many things I want to do, so many good things I want to accomplish, so many bad things I want to put in my past. And I just can't seem to do it. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, this paradox, this irony, this inconsistently, inconsistency follows me and it's absolutely maddening. And then listen to what Paul says, verse 24. He's already kind of talked about the struggle, right? And this is the conclusion. What a wretched man. I am. Can't do the good things I want to do. Can't, do. can't stop doing the bad things I don't want to do. What a wretched man. All the women are like, amen, those wretched men. They are just, we are equal opportunity wretched people, right? Feel like that sometimes? Why am I such a failure? Why do I fail so many times? And again, it doesn't just have to be the bad stuff, but it could be not doing the thing. Why? And you can almost, you can almost hear the angst in his voice, can't you? Oh, what a wretched man. The torment Am I always going to be like this? Is it ever going to end? And then after his declarative statement of what a wretched man I am, he asks a question. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this ongoing, constant struggle that never seems to end? Who can make the madness stop? Who can stop the routine desires from always becoming runaway desires? Who can break the patterns and who can break the habits? Who can bring the breakthrough to this deep feeling that I have inside of me that I can never get it right? 
Who can? Well, Paul couldn't, right? Because what I've learned also is if he could or I could, we would have, right? Like if we could change all the things we hate about ourselves, and if we could change all the things that we're disappointed in in ourselves, guess what? We would do it. We would make it happen, but we don't have that ability. We don't have on our, in our own strength that capability. And then in verse 25, Paul says, and I can almost, again, I, I like to read right into the Bible. Almost you can feel this exhaling. <sighs> I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the answer. This is exactly what the Bible says. This is exactly what Paul wrote. And we sang it this morning. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You see, what's great about God is that when we come to Christ, no matter what baggage we bring, what does the Bible say God offers us? Complete and total forgiveness, right? Like how amazing, like think back over the span of your life from today all the way back. Think about all the stuff that you've done. Think about what God has offered is that not an amazing gift? Is that not an amazing sacrifice? And Paul says, it's Jesus Christ. We get this new sense of freedom and life change, and it's amazing. Like, I remember February 21st, 1983, 11 years old in a, in a little building in upstate New York, coming to Christ for the very first time. And even though I was only that age, I remember how profound it was. I remember weeping at the altar, thinking about what it meant for the God of the universe to love me. But not just love me, want to have a relationship with me. Like how amazing. How truly amazing is that? And we enter into this relationship and we begin to experience this love that we never have felt before. But then something totally unexpected happens. The battle we were waging that for some reason we thought was over, what? It continues, doesn't it? But it doesn't just continue, right? What, is that, what happens? It intensifies, doesn't it? Because before Christ, when I wasn't living for God, I didn't really care what God thought. But now that I have faith and I come into this relationship, I begin to care and that battle intensifies. And it's not just our, conscious, our conscience competing with his desires, it's our creator. It's Christ in us warring against this old life. And again, I think some point in our Christian life, after a period of time, we kind of step back and we say, what gives? I didn't think this was what was gonna happen. I thought I had new life in Christ. I thought I had victory. I thought the old person was gone and everything is new. What gives? And the other frustration becomes what? even more frustrating. I couldn't do this on my own. I've invited God, I've had a taste of it, but yet it's still there. What gives? And maybe that's you. 
Maybe you walked in here this morning and you're frustrated with you. Maybe you walked in here today and you're not just frustrated with you, you're frustrated with your faith. Can I just take a minute and just say, it's okay. Because sometimes we just like to ground ourselves down into a pillar of salt. It's okay to be frustrated. You know why it's okay to be frustrated? Because many times frustration is the platform for transformation. Many times frustration can be the platform for transformation, right? That feeling of I just don't want to live like this anymore. I just can't live like this more can be the launching of change happening. Listen, frustration, if you're so frustrated and upset and angry with yourself this morning, listen, frustration does not have to be your enemy this morning. There can be something different. It could be the catalyst for change and breakthrough. So what do I wanna do with just the last few minutes we have together? Is I wanna talk to you just real practically while walking through, bless you, a few more scriptures from Romans, okay? When this battle rages after we become Christians, when we can't seem to experience breakthrough, one of two things generally happen in a Christian's life. Okay, so we're in this battle, we came to Christ, we've received salvation, but we're still struggling, we get frustrated and frustrated, what a wretched person I am. After a period of time, one of two things generally happen in a Christian's life. The first one is, is that Christian will begin embracing condemnation, right? They'll begin embracing this feeling that we're a Christian, we love God, we believe in the Bible, we wanna be holy, we wanna honor him with our life, but we keep committing sin, often the same sins, we can't seem to conquer those competing desires, and that consistent, sometimes constant failure brings us to a place where we just begin to doubt ultimately and we begin to distance ourselves from God. So that's what the first person does. I keep failing over and over and over again. I keep breaking the heart of God. I keep... Because in that distancing, in some weird way, we feel release or a relief from some of the pressure of letting him down. We're a disappointment, and we just don't want to disappoint him anymore. So we stop reading our Bible, and we stop praying, and we stop going to church, and we just begin to push away. Condemnation is a really powerful thing that can cripple the life of a Christian. The second thing, if we don't go that way, we go this way, and this way is compromise. We begin to accept our bad choices. And instead of competing with our desires, instead of seeking to conquer that sinful struggle inside of us, we just get casual with them. If you can't beat them, join them. And it's weird what happens because we start believing so deeply in the grace of God, which it is amazing, isn't it? But we start believing so deeply in the grace of God, his love, his mercy, the fact that he'll forgive me, that we just take that forgiveness for granted. 
And instead of competing for our faith anymore, we've just kind of accepted that this is who we are. And we fall into this life of casual compromise. Can I just tell you, conscience will always lean that way. Conscience will always lean you towards compromise. Guess what? Culture will do the same thing. And right now, we live in a culture that is doing everything in its power to redefine the word of God. We live in a culture right now that will do anything to pull you. And this is what happens. When we get caught in this struggle and we can't seem to get through it, we just slide to one place or the other. I'm unworthy. I'm worthless. And we stop fighting. Or, you know what? I'm just gonna have my fun. God loves me. He knows I love him. But I'm just gonna live my life how I wanna live my life. And we stop competing. And we just get stuck Grace gets cheapened. Listen, this isn't victory. This isn't breakthrough. The apostle John cautions us in in 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride and possessions is not from the Father but they are from the world. Like we're cautioned not to go here. But Paul, listen, Paul in Romans says it even stronger than John's caution. Romans chapter six, verse one. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Like, man, God's grace is amazing. And Paul Ask the question, well, maybe we should just keep on sinning. Like, the, the greater sinners we are, the greater God's grace and love and forgiveness is. Maybe that's the answer. I'll just let God keep forgiving my massive sin and my massive mistakes, and it'll just show a light on how good and gracious he is. The more we sin, the more we'll be forgiven. It'll just prove more and more how much God loves us. You know what Paul's answer is to this question of maybe we should keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? King James Version. I'm gonna go King James on you for a minute, okay? Here's his response to that. God forbid. It's actually the strongest word in the Greek language for no. It's almost like he screamed from the top of his lung. God forbid you embrace that kind of a thought process when it comes to these competing desires that are going on within you. God forbid that that would be your decision. Another version says, of course not, Romans 6, 2, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue? And this is a really important phrase. Live in it. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So in this great battle between our desires, it's clear. Listen, 
God, and I want someone to hear this because this is your life right now. God does not want us to embrace condemnation. We don't have time for it, but Romans 8, 1, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Listen, God doesn't want you to live there. Condemnation is not the answer for your competing desires. God doesn't want you living here either. Compromise is not the answer for these competing desires, this struggle that's going on. Neither one of these work in the long term for this struggle that we have inside of us. But Paul is very clear. We can't continue to live in sin. It doesn't say we won't commit sin, but it says we can't what? Continue in that sin. And there's, oh, listen, there's a lot of heavy-duty doctrinal stuff in these chapters, but I still want to stay practical. Romans 6, 3. Or have you forgotten, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And Paul says very powerfully, listen, we can't continue in sin. Why? Because we've been joined to Christ. We died with him. We were buried with him. We've been baptized. You know what Paul says? You know why we can't go this way and this way? We can't go to condemnation. We can't. Because we're in this beautiful relationship with God because of his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ doesn't endorse that. And Jesus Christ doesn't endorse that. And the competition, listen, there's somewhere in the middle. How do I get away from this? And how do I get away from this in my struggle? And I love his words. He says, have you forgotten? And here's the thing. We have a tendency to forget that we're in a wonderful relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. Like We have a tendency to forget that. Let me try to illustrate this to you real quick. So I have my struggles, you have your struggles, I'm in my struggle, you're in yours. And in the moment that you're in that struggle, right, I'm already, if we're living here, I'm already a failure. I might as well do it anyway. Is this not true? I'm already a failure. I've already let him down a hundred times. And if I'm, if I'm over here, he's forgiven me so much. He'll do it one more time. He'll do it one more time. Right? But when I'm in my struggle, if I can push away from maybe the temptation to lie or the temptation for this or the temptation for that, and I can remember this, I'm in a beautiful relationship with God. Because of his son, Jesus Christ. And you know what? If I do sin, he would forgive me. But I don't want to do that because I'm in a beautiful relationship with God because of his son, Jesus Christ. Or I can do this because he forgave. But I'm in a beautiful relationship 
with God. You see, breakthrough happens not in condemnation, not in compromise. Breakthrough happens when we cherish the cross. When we cherish the work of Jesus Christ. Breakthrough happens when I don't go here, there, but when I truly, so when I'm in that moment, when I'm in that moment and I'm being put to the test and the decisions right there, blood ran down his brow for me. Blood ran down his brow for me. His hands were pierced for me. His back was torn to shreds for me. And it's that consciousness of the moment that we really need to remember whose we are and what it cost to be his. Whose we are and what it cost to be his. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old sinful lives were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Like when Christ was crucified, he's saying in some way we were right there when we accept him, we're right there with him. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. What we sang about, and can I just say the worship team, that was an amazing worship service this morning. Do you agree? That was awesome. That was awesome. But listen, whom the Son sets free. Listen, what Romans teaches us is there's gonna be a challenge to go this way, a challenge to go this way. There's gonna be a struggle. There's gonna be competing desires. But the focus has to be intentionally on the cross. This is how sin loses its power in our life. Listen, this is how sin loses its power in our lives. When we realize who we are and what it cost to be that. Romans 6, 7, and just as Christ was raised from the dead for a glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Can I just tell you this morning, January, what's it, the 11th? Am I right? Thank you. 12th. Apparently I can't tell a calendar or start a microphone, but that's okay. Listen, God's plan for you this year is not the same old, same old. His plan for you is not the same old you in a new year. It is something different. You want breakthrough. You want this year to be different. You want to start getting victory over the things that that have been holding you down, the things that have been pushing you away from Christ, the things that have been drawing you to the culture. You want victory in those things? Cherish the cross. Uh, Cherish your relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, perfection is not possible, but progress is, right? Perfection is not possible, but progress is. 
this breakthrough is a process. If we commit sin, confess, repent, you can't live in it. You can't be controlled by it. Listen, there is victory through Jesus Christ this morning. And maybe you're here today and this whole thing, you say he's talking to Christians, he's talking about Christians. I don't consider myself a Christian. Well, I just want to take a moment and just invite you into the most beautiful relationship you will ever know on this planet. A relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're like, well, that's not for me. That's never been for me. But you find yourself here today and you're too broken for a breakthrough. You've done it your way and it's been a disaster. Your freedom hasn't made you free. Your choices have created consequences and now everything is out of control. Most important thing you need to know, just as I've asked you to cherish Jesus Christ, I want you to know he cherishes you. Man, he loves you so much so deeply this morning. So with every head bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a minute, maybe your breakthrough this morning is not so much the struggle we talked, but your breakthrough is finally surrendering yourself into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all that means is you're saying, God, I can't fix my life. I've tried, I can't do it. I need someone greater than me. And I believe that that's you this morning, Jesus Christ. So on the count of three, if that's you, we're not gonna call you up front. We're not gonna call you out. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand very simply. And then we're gonna pray together real quick. But if that's you, you say, I want uh, these competing desires uh, to be conquered at the cross this morning. Just raise your hand so we can pray for you. One, two, three this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Lots of hands, amen. Praise God. Listen, God is the life changer this morning. So if you're here this morning and you've prayed this prayer before, maybe it's the first time, can we pray it together out loud right now? God, I thank you that you love me so much. You love me when I am unlovable. And I thank you that you invite me into a relationship with you. God, I ask you to forgive all of my sins. Make me new this morning, Jesus. I want to begin that beautiful relationship with you. In your name, This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.